This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the EDH RecCast. My name is Joey Schultz and I'm joined, as always, by my fantastic co-hosts. First up, he sees you shiver with Antissa. It's Matt Morgan. You know, Joey, I-, I learned how to save a life in Star Wars. If you see a droid that isn't breathing, you give it C-3PR. <laughs> uh, you know, Matt, I'd say that that dad joke was the best one I've ever heard from you, but in actuality, that couldn't be farther from the truth. Oh... I mean, the, I, I get it. Um, actually, I also went to a, a barbecue competition. The uh, the Wookiees were very bad. Everything was a little chewy. <laughs> Dang it. Oh, man. My attempt to counter your dad joke with a dad joke has been double countered because you are always prepared with even more dad jokes. How do you do this every time, dude? Just embrace the dark side, man. Just embrace it. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Up next, patient. That's Dana Roach. Um, in honor of Halloween, what do you call two witches living together? I don't know. What, Dana? Broommates. Broom. Mm. Oh, that's cute. I really, really like that. Awesome. This is the EDH RecCast. EDH Rec is the best deck building resource on the web for the commander format, compiling data from deck lists all over the internet to provide helpful recommendations for new commander decks. And here on the podcast, what we like to do is give all of that data a little more context. Dana, what is it that we're talking about in this week's episode? We are talking about cards that supplement tribal decks. That we are. Some tribal support cards for this episode, because Innistrad, both Midnight Hunt and the upcoming, or by the time this episode comes out, possibly already released, Crimson Vow, have a whole bunch of tribal stuff going on there with vampires and werewolves, so we want to talk about some of our favorite cards that help out all of those tribal decks, because it's a really popular way to play EDH. Real quick, before we get started, let's pause and give a huge thank you to the folks at the Command Zone for handling the post-production work on our podcast, and of course, we want to thank our sponsors for the show, too. The EDH RecCast 
is sponsored by Card Kingdom and a TCG player. The only two stores online guaranteed to be all treat and no trick. <laughs> Just grab a bag for your candy, go to EDH Rec, and click on the card in question. When you choose a vendor link down below, that supports both the site and the show. And if you'd prefer to support the show directly, you can do so over at patreon.com slash EDHRecCast. There are also no tricks over there. All you have to do is just go to the <laughs> website, choose the t uh, patron tier that you would like to select, and then join up. It's simple as that, and we definitely appreciate all the support. We have patron mm -hmm. tiers of all sorts of levels. We have patron-exclusive content that comes out every single month. Just some nice little treats for everybody over there. So make sure you head over to patreon.com slash EDHRecCast, where you can even join the tier that we give a special shout-out to a patron just for joining. Um, so we definitely want to give a very special shout-out this week to Myra Oberg. Thank you so much, Myra, for all of your support. We definitely appreciate it. Thank you so much, Myra. All right, guys, let's get into our topic now. We are talking about tribal deck support cards, the things that help out a deck when your entire EDH deck is built around a specific creature type, which is like one of the most popular ways to play EDH. The tribal archetype pages on EDH Rec, when we're tracking all of the decks that specifically conform to specific creature types, like it's so, so popular. There are like tens of thousands of decks that are built specifically around elves and around dragons and now with Innistrad Midnight Hunt and Crimson Vow there's also been a bunch of focus for like zombies and stuff like vampires and werewolves too so it's a whole bunch of fun so let's talk about some of the cards that help out all of those tribal decks since it's such a really cool thing that the current sets are focusing on right now real quick I, I do kind of want to see like what our affiliation is with tribal decks like Matt are tribal decks something that you play really often are they an archetype that you really enjoy where are you at when it comes to the tribal deck archetypes in Commander um, I have dabbled in the tribal decks before. I did actually buy the uh, the human tribal um, deck, the Selesnia one that came out mm. for um, Midnight Hunt. I've really enjoyed it so far. Um, I, I haven't built a ton of them, but you know, like I've, I've played around with them. It's not something I actively seek out, but if there's one that calls my name, like Kyler Sigardian Emissary did um, in this most <laughs> recent pre-con, um, I will definitely jump on board, and I, I have enjoyed that deck so sneaking much. And not just that, dude, I got to say, I've enjoyed watching you build and play that deck, too. It's it pops off like that's a really powerful commander, Kyler. Like, I love it. You, you, you know, a deck is like making me feel things if I'm laughing at myself because the deck just doesn't <laughs> seem to be like doing fair things. But it's a precon like it's still largely a precon deck and it's just so good. It, well, and, and so that's just it for me, too. I picked up the Wilhelt precon and it might be my favorite precon that I've like ever ever played with because that's the zombie tribals for blue black and i've always like known that zombie tribal and blue black was a thing but the way that will Held sacrifices all of your stuff and you get more zombie tokens i'm just absolutely in love with it and so i think that this might be the beginning to joey like starting to build more tribal decks because i, I don't know this is open to the floodgates for me i'm kind of getting obsessed this is it, oh, those pair of precons i'm absolutely all about them dana how about you is tribal an uh, an archetype that you like to build around or that you steer away from where, where are you at with it it is um i <clears throat> I built a Sphinx Tribal deck pretty early on in my EDH career that I still have together and still play. Um, but because of that, I've, I've kind of found that any subsequent attempts at building Tribal decks don't necessarily feel that original because I feel like I, I ha it has a lot of overlap with that that Aspiria oh. Sphinx deck for some reason. Um, Interesting. But, but I've still like 
take cracks at it. I, I built a Lathless Dragon Queen Mono Red Dragon deck that I played for a little while. I'm currently messing around with Silumgar the Drifting Death in uh, Demir Colors to play Demir Dragon Tribal. Hmm. Um, I, I've had a zombie tribal deck that I you know have have played with for a few months before I took it apart. So it's it's a well I go back to fairly often for sure. Wait, the zombie deck, you took it apart. Would you say that your zombie deck had decayed? Yes, uh, that's, that's uh, well played, Joey. Hey, thank you. All right, well, so that, that's cool to, to see where we are with tribal stuff, but like the cards themselves, like this is such a popular archetype. Let's talk about some of the best ways to support those tribes in case it's something that you, the listener, are really interested in building around, or maybe we have, you know, some personal favorites among the stuff that we've tried out in our tribal decks. And there are a couple of different categories that we're going to sort of break them down into to talk about the different ways that you can support a tribe. Right off the bat, we'll acknowledge we're not going to talk about like, you know, vampires have these lords or zombie lords or elf lords that pump up just a bunch of elves. So there are some tribal specific things, but let's talk about the ones that are a bit more ubiquitous and could happen in just about any tribal deck and how good those cards are. Let's start off with pump effects. Matt, do you have any favorite pump effects that will pump up the whole tribal team in any of your tribal decks well i mean shared animosity is one of my favorites of all time probably um just because it lets every single one of your creatures hit like a truck so shared animosity is an enchantment card in red it's uh two and a red and it says whenever a creature you control attacks it gets plus one plus oh until end of turn for each other attacking creature that shares a creature type with it um i've played this in my valduck keeper the flame deck because i make a lot of elementals with that deck so if i'm swinging <laughs> with five elementals each one of those elementals gets plus four plus O until end of turn because there's four other elementals attacking. Uh, that damage adds up really, really fast. Uh, so shared animosity is probably the, the banner card, whether you're playing goblin tribal, you're playing elementals, anything really. Like if you're playing red and you're playing a tribal deck, chances are shared animosity is a card you, you definitely want to be considering. It's probably the one that is also best outside of a dedicated tribal deck, um, mm -hmm. particularly like in a token build. Most token decks tend to lean into one type of token just because the way the color pie works, um, you know, each specific color tends to have one kind of token they make. You tend to get a lot of, of soldiers in white, for example. Red tends to make a lot of goblins. Green tends to make a lot of elves. It's not universal, but it just kind of tends to work that way. And, you know, I, I have a Boros token deck that isn't dedicated to one tribe at all, but it runs shared animosity in the deck because plenty of right. times I'll just look down and be like, oh, I have five goblins out or I have four dogs out or whatever. It doesn't even matter as long as you're making multiples of one kind of token. Um, shared animosity oftentimes is an absolute beating. It's just a really good card in general in decks that kind of go wide. And in token deck or, or a tribal deck especially, it's amazing. Yeah, I've seen that one put in a whole bunch of work for like a Locust God deck as well because yeah. there are so many hasty flying insects that suddenly populated the field and now they are very, very lethal. Going a bit more general, I also got to throw out a bunch of love for Door of Destinies. Like Shared Animosity showed up in 13,000 EDH rec decks. Like that's a whole bunch of decks, but Door of Destinies shows up in nearly 16,000. That's the one that costs four mana. You choose a creature type as it enters and whenever you cast spells of that type, each of your creatures of that type get plus one plus one and that's just going to stay there as long as you've got the the door on it i think you could even potentially proliferate those counters if you really wanted to but you often don't need to because you're just going to cast a bunch more vampires or a bunch more goblins or something like that and then your team will gradually get so inexorably powerful it's a really really crazy thing it is a bit more gradual it isn't an immediate effect but when played at the right time door destinies is a beating i mean similarly you have coat of arms as well that doesn't 
work the same way as Door of Destinies, and it also affects everyone. But what's nice about Coat of Arms is although it can punish you if you cast it at a, at a bad time, if you treat it like kind of an overrun effect where you're going to use it for an alpha strike to end the game, mm. um, it can also be super effective in any kind of a tribal deck. I mean, and while we're talking about artifacts, I guess, um, why not play artifact creatures? Because uh, Metallic Mimic and Adaptive Automaton, hey. those both also just like slide right into this type of role where you get to have a flexible pick with whatever creature type you're playing. doesn't really matter. Just put them down and then just kind of go about your day. They're going to be able to benefit from it. Like, I, I love them. If you're playing a creature deck, you may as well play more creatures. Well, and those are also nice, too, because there are some creature types out there that don't have a whole bunch of different versions of, of those. Like, I think of dwarves, for instance. There's not a whole bunch of different dwarf cards out there or or like a eula queen among bears there's not like a bunch of good bears out there so using something like a metallic mimic which can itself become a bear like that can be a nice way to get sort of a lord effect in a tribe that doesn't actually have a whole bunch of them normally uh, a few weeks back on challenge of stats i mentioned a card we should mention here alpha status which is an aura uh, in green and an enchanter creature gets plus two plus two for each other creature in play that shares a creature type with it it's a really really solid card in certain decks um but there's a similar one that kind of works as a win condition as well in green. Uh, that's Tribal Unity. It's X2 in green, and it's an instant speed that says creatures of the creature type of your choice get plus X plus X till the end of turn. Um, now, green has a lot of overrun kind of effects, but what's nice about Tribal Unity is it's actually one of the few that functions at instant speed. So if you're playing in a deck with small kind of go-wide creatures where your opponent might just be like, yeah, I'm going to take you know, these three elves that are swinging in, I'm just going to take the damage because who cares? It gives you the ability to out of nowhere, turn those into like 10 tens or something um, to either hit someone for lethal or when they think they can safely block, same thing, make them into giant <laughs> creatures and kill your opponent's creatures when they thought they were safe. Um, really solid card if you're playing tribal and have access to green. I, I also just, I want to linger on that alpha status. That enchantment is insane. Like the pump that you get from that, when you put it on like your commander and you're surrounded by a bunch of other creatures of the same type, that thing allows you to attack on two different axes. You can clock one opponent for commander damage and another opponent for just the rest of your horde of elves or whatever it is that you have. Like that one is, that one does a whole bunch of work. Like, holy wow. Well, in the deck I run it in as I, I have a budget Marwan the Nurturer elf ball deck half the time i cast in that deck it's just to tap marlin for 70 mana <laughs> uh, yeah then there's also that then there's also that thing that you yeah. can do um dana that's gross that's that, that's insane and then i can use all that mana for tribal unity <laughs> hey it all comes full circle synergy well, so thinking of alpha status actually makes me think of another equipment that i'm not sure if i like as much it's called stoneforge masterwork it's a one mana equipment equipped creature gets plus one plus one for each other creature you control that shares a creature type with it and it equips for two i'm really impressed by the plus two plus two of the alpha status i'm not sure how i feel about the stoneforge masterwork like matt is that one that you would be drawn to or do you think it's kind of like eh? Like, what, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think it's fine. Like, yes, plus two, plus two is literally twice as much, twice the effect as plus one, plus one. <laughs> but I think if you're playing enough types of creatures in there, like depending on the tribe, maybe, you still might be able to make it work. Um, it's obviously not as powerful, but uh, I think it still might be worth it depending on the deck that you're running it in. Hmm. Uh, I just double checked that, though, on, on the stats page, Matt, and... Um, Two is twice as much as one, so that is oh, correct. Okay. Let's check <laughs> out the numbers. Do back that up. <laughs> uh, but but no, I, I, again, I think in the right deck, like in a Marwin deck, equipping that for two and giving your commander, you know, plus five, plus five, or plus six, plus six, 
that just vastly increases the amount of mana you can tap it for, especially particularly in a deck like that where it's going to do double duty beyond just buffing a creature for combat. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's worth running, I think, for sure. And I think it's just interesting. Like we, It's really easy for us to get caught up in the artifacts specifically that give just a huge, a blanket buff to all of the stuff that's in play. Like Obelisk of Erd, for example. That, that's another one that comes to mind. It's like six mana, but you can convoke it. You choose a creature type, and it gives plus two, and that's really cool. And especially compared to some of the other cards that we've talked about already, that is a much more budget-friendly version of a, a buff effect to get for a tribal deck if you're playing it. But the equipment is also a place that we can look for some of those buffs. There's that uh, that Stoneforge Masterwork that we just mentioned, but another one that's a little bit more expensive but kind of, I feel like, goes under the radar in addition is Conda's Banner, a two-mana equipment that can only be attached to legendary creatures, but it equips for two, and then creatures that share a color with the equipped creature get plus one, and creatures that share a creature type with the equipped creature also get plus one. And that could also be kind of a neat sort of anthem to put onto your stuff. You just put it onto your commander, which hopefully shares a creature type with all of the other creatures that you're building the deck around. And then you could get another pump that way. And I feel like that's a pretty interesting buff that we find on an equipment rather than on an average type of artifact. The one downside or or problem with Conda's Banner is it doesn't just affect your stuff. It does affect so like so if you are playing against someone else who has mm -hmm. creatures of the same color or of the same type, it's going to buff their stuff too. There is a little bit of a risk to it. Um, but okay. but by and large, I agree. That's a really solid um, card in the right deck. Yeah, it kind of has the, the downside that Coat of Arms does where right. if you're playing Coat of Arms and you're playing against a tribal deck, um, whoops. Like a, 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 big, <laughs> yeah. a big whoops. Um, but but yeah, like Condos Banner, I I don't like it as much as maybe shared animosity, just the snowball potential sure. on sh like shared animosity, just to get out of hand very quickly. Um, whereas Condas Banner is just at best going to be plus two plus zero. Oh, it's it's fine, um, but it, the upside definitely isn't there as as much as a lot of the other ones that we've talked about. Right, and some careful timing is always appreciated when it comes to the the actual time that you drop some of these. Like we've mentioned with the coat of arms, cast that one as though it's an overwhelming stampede, not as though it's a door of destinies, because you don't want it. It's not going to have a gradual effect. It needs to have a big sorcery type effect. Like that should be like the last card you cast to get. You know, you just want to position yourself very carefully with some of these. So those are some of our favorite pump effects. But there's a bunch of other ways that we can help out tribes too. Other versions of support. Let's talk about mana. What do you guys think of cards like Urza's Incubator, which to my understanding is a pretty expensive card these days, a three mana artifact that you choose a creature type as it enters, and then creatures of that type cost two generic mana less to cast. Like, Dana, you mentioned you have a Sphinx tribal deck. Sphinxes tend to be really expensive creatures. Is this the kind of thing that you would enjoy playing, or where, where are you at with the cost reduction it, type of situation? I think the cost reduction is fantastic, and it's a really good card, but I think you have to be cautious about the deck that you run it in. Um, so in the Sphinx deck I have, I only have 17 creatures in the deck, and a couple of them only have single mana costs, single colorless mana in the casting costs, so that minus two reduction only applies to, you know, one sixth of my deck or so. Whereas if I just run right. a worn power stone or a Thran dynamo or something, that's going to affect, you know, two or three times as many cards. Yes, they can only get used once per turn, but the amount of times I'm casting, you know, two sphinxes per turn is pretty infrequent anyway. I'm usually trying to leave mana up for a counter spell or something or doing other things. So in my particular deck, it doesn't do me a lot of good. Um, 
it's a really good card in the right deck, don't get me wrong, but I think people do need to be cautious and make sure that they can readily utilize that reduction enough to justify running it over a mana rock that you can probably use on almost every spell in your deck, almost every turn. Mm. See, uh, the, so there's a similar card with Herald's Horn, which comes in, you can choose creature type, um, and it has a little bit of a cost reduction, but at least like there's a sidestep. Even if you're not getting a huge mana reduction, you're at least being able to like accelerate because of the second half of the card, um, where it says at the beginning of your upkeep, look at the top card of your library. If it's a creature card of the chosen type, you may reveal it and put it into your hand. So you're kind of getting a pseudo draw effect if you're playing enough creatures in the deck. I like that one a lot too. Um, I think a lot of players in general also like that, but there's all sorts of different tribal specific mana reductions, whether it's cards like Dragon Speaker Shaman, and we'll talk about those more a little bit later on too, but there's a lot of those effects running around, running around there too. Yeah, just definitely does require an attention to the density of cards in your deck that it will actually affect. And I mean, these are also popular, like Urza's Incubator wouldn't be a super expensive card if it wasn't of interest to a whole bunch of folks. And the Herald's Horn shows up in nearly 27,000 decks, like good lord, that is a whole lot. Again, tribal is such a really popular way to play magic. It's so awesome. There's one other mana uh, affecting card here for tribal decks that I want to shout out to, and that's Mana Echoes. Four mana red enchantment. Whenever a creature enters the battlefield, you may add an amount of generic, excuse me, of colorless mana equal to the number of creatures you control that share a creature type with that creature that just entered. This shows up in like 5,000 decks. This one is, I think, more normally associated as a combo engine, because if you have an activated ability that can create tokens, this provides you a bunch of mana to continue creating tokens. Tokens. This is really famous with a commander like Sliver Queen, for instance. Activated ability creates a sliver. Mana Echoes refunds you all of that mana. It just becomes an infinite loop. But I feel like there are other potential commanders that could make use of all of that extra mana, too, if they wanted to. What do you guys think of this one? It's a really, really good card, I think. Uh, this may be kind of the opposite situation from Urza's Incubator, where I think people might think this is only really applicable in certain decks, and I think there's a lot more decks where this does work than people maybe realize, particularly because it, it's not like the mana that you get from that creature has to get spent on casting more creature spells. It can just be free mana used for something else. <laughs> yeah, like a tribal unity. Like like one of those. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, see, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Okay, I totally get it. So you like you you know you you play mana echoes in your dragon deck or whatever. You're just gonna get you know three or four free mana when you cast that dragon spell that you can then use to do a thing you wouldn't have otherwise been able to do. It's I think it's a really solid card even if you aren't going super super hard on. Um, a particular tribe or using it to like combo out. I, I think Mana Echoes is really, really good. Yeah, it, it, it's very powerful in like the bigger type of of uh, mm. tribes too. Like I, I think Dragons is probably the, the the tribe that benefits the most from that. That or Goblins uh, potentially as well because they can have some pretty crazy activated effects. There's a, a whole bunch going on there. L let's move now from a discussion of all of the mana stuff that tribes are up to and let's talk about draw. What are some ways that, Matt, you've been able to access more access to, to, to draw effects because of the fact that you're playing just one type of creature in your deck? I mean, so go figure, Blue has some of the best effects here. Um, Kindred <laughs> Discovery and Distant Melody are probably two of the more powerful effects, I think. Um, Kindred, Kindred Discovery is great for that sustained um, card draw effects over the course of time, just because you're drawing for every every creature that type that comes in, whereas Distant Melody is just a one shot in the arm um, to keep your deck going. Um, both of them are very, very powerful, though. I mean, both you can draw 10 plus cards 
without even really trying. Um, but I think they're both, you know, extremely powerful cards for any blue tribal type of deck. I, I don't know who looked at Coastal Piracy and thought, if we made it twice as good, making it cost one more <laughs> mana is, is, makes a lot of sense. Kindred Discovery is an amazingly fantastic card. Um, and it feels like you're cheating in, in the right decks for sure. Distimality is the same way, frankly. There's a lot of decks where that also feels like you're cheating. It just breaks the game open when you can draw that many cards um, just kind of accidentally because you're playing a tribal deck. It gaze upon my field of 21 ones. I'll cast the spell that yes. draws me a card for each creature I control of that type and just go to absolute town with the cards yep. in my hand. Or, yeah, the Kindred Discovery on ETB and when those things attack. Like, there's there's no way you'll run out of cards. Watsy, reprint that, reprint that card, please, because it's like $30 and has, I think, never been below that point. <laughs> like, Yeah, the, the only bad thing about Kindred Discovery is the price at this point. Yeah, yeah. absolutely crazy. We also can't escape from this part of the conversation without talking about Vanquisher's Banner. That one came in in the Ixalan set and completely bowled us all over. I think it might be the most popular card that we've talked about so far. It shows up in nearly 32,000 decks on EDH Rec. That's insane. Five mana artifact as it enters, you choose a creature type. It gives a buff to those creatures, and whenever you cast a creature spell of that type, you draw a card. So, I mean, just anywhere that you want it to go, this is going to keep you up on having a bunch of creatures. It's really good whether you're playing big creatures or you're playing a whole bunch of little ones you can chain through a bunch of things like that, that what a great way to prevent yourself from ever running out of steam by making sure that each of your creatures is also a cantrip pack of the serpent like vanquisher's banner also serves to really reward you for playing specific creature types and, and drawing you cards we talked about it a lot when it was first released fairly recently um, it's a three mana sorcery where you just choose a creature type and draw x cards and lose x life or x is the number of creatures uh, a player controls of, of a certain type um you can also kind of use it on someone else who's playing the tribal deck if they happen to have gone <laughs> wide. You know, it's the kind of the sign in blood dream achievement unlocked kill. Um, there's potential for that. But but realistically, you're mostly going to use it in your vampire deck or your zombie deck or something to draw eight or ten cards at some point in the game. And you're probably going to gain that life back because those the black tends to gain life too. Um, it's just hyper efficient in a tribal deck. And it's going to see more and more play as we get, you know, a bunch of vampire tribal decks, I would imagine people building in the next month or so. Yeah. Well, I mean, if we're going to stay in black to um, species specialist, if you're planning on sacrificing a bunch of creatures of any given type, um, and if you're Joey, of course, too, um, yeah. you can always just make sure you're, you know, you're not just drawing cards whenever creatures die, but you can get the tribal re reward for it as well. Yeah, oh yeah, Species Specialist has really been impressing me in that Wilhelm deck that I mentioned because I'm constantly sacrificing zombies and then Species Specialist is so good that I've got to just draw a whole bunch of other stuff too. Like yeah, there are some really, really excellent ways to maintain a bunch of card advantage on all of these various uh, different tribal effects. Like th these are the types of things, especially where I think it becomes very apparent that the synergies that exist between creatures of the same type can explode in value beyond just the typical good stuff. Like these are the types of places where I see that exponential value really start to emerge is especially with some of these draw spells. They are fantastic. Well, Joey, in order to sacrifice creatures to get all the benefits, first you have to get them on the battlefield. And so uh, there's lots of cards that do that as well, actually, in tribal decks. Um, Kindred Summons is only in 6,800 decks right now. And boy, for seven mana, this does so much. At a, seven mana, instant speed. Um, 
you reveal uh, uh, reveal cards from the top of your library until you hit X creature cards, where X is the number of creatures you already control of that type, um, and then you just put them on the battlefield. Man, you get to cheat out so many creatures That's with something like lot. this. Um, it's kind of crazy. This is only it's in less than seven thousand decks right now. Yeah, that one is one I'll bet if you do that in that human travel deck of yours, that's not just going to fill up the board, but it also like some of them might be more lords that pump things up. Your commander will also like bump things up as well. Like you can that speaking of exponential explosive stuff, that's definitely got to be up there. for sure. It's, it's definitely an oops, I won the game type of card for sure. <laughs> it's also an instant speed spell. So it's the kind of thing that you can use like after you swing at somebody with, you know, five or six creatures like, oh, no, I'm defenseless. And, you know, pass the turn and yeah. they swing back at you. And and you can just instant speed drop kindred summons and all of a sudden there's you know six dragons in play that they weren't ready for or use it before it becomes your turn and suddenly your board is a whole lot bigger than yep. they thought it was and your attack steps a lot to be a whole lot more dangerous like the instant speed there does a whole bunch of work i feel like we also should uh shout out kindred charge here which is another one of those kindred spells the red one that makes a temporary copy of each creature of a certain type that you control this one i have a little tiny bit less love for though because like that is a very powerful effect if you've got a bunch of lords that could be you know a huge boost for a one big all-out attack the problem is that if you have like any number of legendary creatures of that tribe on the field they're not going to work for the kindred charge because you can't have two copies of those legendary things so this one i feel like does get a little bit less good than some of the other things that we've talked about even though it is a very interesting spell yeah th there's a lot more restrictions and on, on, on what you can do to make it powerful compared to like kindred summons for sure yeah this is also the kind of thing that makes me a little bit dubious about the card molten echoes which has a similar effect when the creatures enter the battlefield that makes a temporary copy of them i think that there are definitely tribes that could make a lot of use out of this for example like a wizard deck cares a lot about getting multiple etb effects off of your wizards so that could be the kind of thing that really likes seeing those extra copies but in general sometimes those temporary copy things can be a, a little bit tough is all um with that said on the subject of copies, I have really enjoyed the card Reflections of Lityara from Kaldheim. Five mana blue enchantment. You choose a creature type and whenever you cast a spell of that type, you copy that spell. That one has really been kind of cool. Again, it has that issue of, you know, you'll make copies of things so the legendary creatures might go away. But if you time it well, this can get you a whole lot of extra value, especially if you have multiple of those lords to use. Or the place that I think it's really, really impressive is for rogues because this also copies tribal spells like incense and sorceries, not just creatures. So I have personally been able to use Reflections of Lityara with Notorious Throng before, which is a tribal rogue sorcery that gives you a bunch more rogues and an extra turn if you cast it at the right time, which is really, really awesome. So you can copy that spell, a sorcery, with Reflections of Lityara, and that's just buku's of value. That one's absolutely insane. Well, and if you're an old timer like Dana and you just want to roll up your sleeves and cast something from, from I think it was Nemesis, um, Belby's Portal, yeah. very effective. It's kind of an Elvish Piper type of effect for tribal specific cards. Um, just five mana, name a creature type when it comes into play. And then for three and you can tap Belby's Portal, uh, you put a creature card of the chosen type from your hand into play. Simple as that. Um, Elvish <laughs> Piper is a very, very powerful card. So having it specifically for uh, uh, tribal type creatures, I think it's just just dandy. Only in, in less than 2000 decks, actually. So it's also a Dana like challenge of stats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're combining mana reduction with, you know, functionally giving the creatures flash at the same time. Um, I, I think you'd want to probably limit that to your, you know, kind of angel 
or dragon type decks where mm -hmm. the spells routinely cost a ton of mana to cast, so you can really take advantage of the cost reduction on it. But in those particular decks, I think it does a lot of work. Yeah, that is definitely the kind of thing you have to pay attention to. Some of these support pieces might be good for a whole bunch of tribes. Some of them are going to be a lot more specialized. And Matt, you just mentioned there sort of a Dana-esque challenge the stats. How about we take a quick break from all of these different tribal support pieces and actually go to challenge the stats proper? What do you say? I, I'll allow it. Um, only, though, if you let me plug real quick, Altersleeves.com, which is the official sponsor <laughs> of Challenge of Stats. So if you want to get all these awesome sleeves to go over your cards, you don't want somebody marking on the actual cards themselves, you want to try out some new art, Altersleeves.com helps out with that. It's awesome. You get to play around with so many cool extended arts, different framings, borders, anything you like. Altersleeves has that. So like I said, Altersleeves.com slash EDH Retcast. So much cool stuff over there. You can even get our handsome faces. <laughs> All right, let's get into it now. Challenging some stats, which is one of our favorite segments. There's so much data on EDH Rec, but sometimes we think that cards see too much play or too little play. And I'm going to start us off this week with my challenge for a card that I think is going to see too little play. It currently sees too little play. And as Crimson Vow comes out with even more vampire tribal stuff going on, I think that this is a card that will be overlooked because of the situations in which it was released. Thirsting Bloodlord is a four mana vampire that gives your other vampires plus one plus one, and it's a three three. This is a card that came out in some superfluous extra M20 product, but not in the set proper, which I feel like means it's been majorly, majorly overlooked. It's hard to find in general. It's not a common that you open in actual booster packs, which is why it currently only shows up in 726 decks total. So as we get more vampire tribal decks in these new sets in Crimson Vow that's coming around, keep a look on this one because it's a cool lord that just a lot of folks don't know exist. I think I've possibly challenged this one like 100 episodes ago or something like that, but it is still worth a challenge because the numbers on this one are still way too low. So even my challenge, I'm theming to the tribal episode here. This is a really cool one. Don't let all of the new flashy vampires overlook a kind of secret vampire right here, Thirsting Bloodlord. That's a good call. And I think that's going to be relevant. Uh, like you said, Joey, moving forward for sure with the the vampire set that will probably be fully spoiled by the time the show comes out like you said <laughs> certainly certainly could be what's yours this week dana so so mine is a little bit less specific it's, it's kind of almost more around a concept um i was playing against a sithis harvest hand deck recently um and a player had managed to put both the card armadillo cloak and unflinching courage um on a creature he's attacking with. Hmm. They are kind of functionally copies of one another. Um, target creature gets plus two, plus two, and has trample. Um, what's relevant is the specific wording. On Unflinching Courage, um, the creature gets plus two, plus two, trample, and lifelink. On Armadillo Cloak, it gets plus two, plus two, and trample, and then says, whenever Enchanted Creature deals damage, you gain that much life. The player in question didn't notice that those two things stacked. He assumed he just got the lifelink that only triggered the one time. Um, and I mm. pointed out, no, you're going to gain twice as much life because those are technically different abilities. Now, most people catch that because those are kind of in the same colors. And if you're going to run one, a lot of people have noticed that you just run the other one and they eventually figure out that they do stack with one another. But there's a handful of other cards that do similar things. In mono black, you have Vampiric Link, which is an aura for a single black that does the same thing. Whenever Enchanted Creature deals damage, you gain that much life. Um, what's particularly nice about that is if you have a commander who has lifelink and you care about gaining life in your deck, 
it's a second way to gain life off the damage you're already dealing because it's going to stack without lifelink ability. So I have a Tavash Gloom Summoner deck. Tavash has a lifelink. I care <laughs> about gaining life. Vampiric Link is just a second way to gain life off the the single swing I'm already doing um, that stacks with the lifelink he already has. There's a card in white called Spirit Link, and there's a one called Spirit Loop that are worded a similar way, so they also stack with lifelink. Um, most of those cards don't see very much play, and I think people don't realize that they actually stack with lifelink. So Vampiric Link and Spirit Link and Spirit Loop are kind of my three challenge of stats here. If you care about gaining life, remember that the old wording on those cards matters because it does allow you to gain twice as much life. And the other weird thing about them is <laughs> you can cast them on someone else's creature. Yeah, you can. <laughs> I was I was hoping you would bring that up. So you can gain life off the damage it does. So it, it discourages them from attacking you because it winds up being damage neutral and encourages them to hit somebody else or just not attack at all. Or if you want to put them on, like, say, a Sir Conrad, for example. There you uh, go. That's yep. a good way to safeguard yourself. Yeah, putting, Yo. putting Vampiric Link on someone else's creature to make sure they're not attacking you, that's one of my favorite tricks. I'm so glad you brought that up. Dang. What, Dana, with the triple challenge there we go. for yeah. three I, different reasons. So I, I'm going to take the next two weeks off. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. We, we see how it is. All right, Matt, round us out this week with your challenge to stats. So my challenge this week actually comes from a listener. So we got an email from Jesse Egbert. So thank you so much for your email, Jesse. Um, and they called out a very obscure card um, back from a Lara block, which is called Fight to the Death. Um, so Fight to the Death is an instant for a red and a white, and it's pretty straightforward. It just says, destroy all blocking creatures and all blocked creatures. They point out it's a great defensive tool. Say somebody's attacking you with a big, overwhelming stampede of trampling creatures. Um, you can block as many of those creatures as you want. You cast this after everything's been blocked before damage, and you're actually kind of able to kind of get a pseudo fog type of effect. Um, this is great if you're playing token decks, anything that's gonna be able to put a lot of bodies in front. And it's just a good defensive tool, or if you want to let everybody, you know, kind of attack into them and they're blocking you with their big creatures, you can then cast this to make sure you're getting rid of all their big creatures with your smaller bodies as well. Um, it's a great versatile card. It's currently showing up in less than 500 decks, um, which is a very potent card for, you know, as, as few decks as there are um, currently playing the deck. So, Jesse, this is a great challenge. I like it. So, Jesse, thank you for your email. Thank you for the challenge. It's definitely a good one. Um, definitely an underplayed card, I might say, um, with only those 500-ish decks playing it. Dang, this one's really, really interesting. I'm I'm actually kind of afraid of, like, Matt, for example, you pulling this when Dana and I are in combat. Like, I attacked him and he's blocking with his creatures. Then you could just, like, you're not involved in that combat at all, but this would still destroy all of those things. Like, that seems really... I didn't even think of using it as a political tool, but yeah, that, that's another great application for it, too. That is really crazy. And, hey, Dana, here's a card that only shows up in 500 decks. Has Matt out-challenged you on the, on the hipster value? I, I'm a fan of that, for sure, yeah. Yes, definitely. Well, you, awesome. you can thank Jesse for this one, Dana. <laughs> well, thank you, Jesse. All right, sweet deal. Fellas, now let's move back into our main topic here, talking about some cool ways to support tribal decks. And this next category that we've got is just kind of a nice miscellaneous grab bag of just really cool cards that are just really, really awesome. I I don't know. I couldn't think of too many specific category names to put. I just wanted to talk about 
Kindred Dom- Dominance like a whole lot because that's such a dang good card. Kindred Dominance is the seven mana sorcery in black where you choose a creature type and then destroy everything that isn't that creature type. Like if you've got a zombie deck and you just want to get rid of all of the not zombies, what a great way to do it. If you're playing dragons and you're like, screw dragons, I can use Crux of Fate and I can use Kindred Dominance. Like this is such a crazy spell. Again, probably a really expensive one in terms of like acquiring it cost-wise, but oh, what a cool piece of work this thing is. And I just, oh man, miscellaneous cards are, are really cool when it comes to travel support. This is also where you find some absolute heaters. Uh, there, there's a couple kind of weird versions of this too that crop up in, in older sets. Back in Onslaught, we had Harsh Mercy. Um, each player chooses a creature type and you destroy all creatures that aren't of a type chosen this way. Um, so, you know, if you're playing someone else with a tribal deck, they're going to get around it. Or at the very least, someone will pick their best creature and choose that creature type. But generally speaking, if you are playing a tribal deck and have access to white, it's just not going to touch you and everyone else is going to lose something. For the three mana you spend, it's almost always going to generate a ton of value for you um, and maybe, you know, enough to swing a game for sure. I mean, mm. that one's really nice. It's, it's, it's not necessarily a tribal card, but it kind of works around the um, tribal things you're doing. And similarly, we had a card um, fairly recently, Crippling Fear in Kaldheim. Um, what? Works kind of the same way. You choose a creature type, and creatures that aren't of that type get minus three, minus three to end a turn. So you just, you know, choose whatever your tr- tribe you're running in black, and it'll probably be vampires and zombies very often, especially given what we've gotten recently. Mm. Um, and everything else is going to get minus three, minus three. So you'll kill a bunch of stuff and weaken a bunch of other stuff. Those are really dang even even outside of challenge of stats you're finding some really interesting kind of underplayed hipster cards now aren't you <laughs> that's my jam man that's why i'm on the show <laughs> sweet deal now what are some of your favorites uh just other types of things to help out tribal support what, what what's going on in your brain there i mean i love protecting my board um that's always one of my favorite things to do and, and kindred boon is just a very very powerful version to do that it's i mean the kindred cycle in general just mm. that was such a, a great cycle. Um, but Kindred Boon, you're able to put counters on your creatures and then they just all have indestructible as long as they have that creature type. Um, that's certainly a very, very powerful type of effect. Um, Steel Resolve also is one of my favorites in this category as well. Just <laughs> you spend so much time establishing your board that being able to protect it and keep it around, that's just such a great thing that you want to be able to do. Um, Steel Resolve, not doesn't give everything indestructible, but it just makes sure that, you know, they can't be targeted. It gives everything shroud effectively. So, yeah. Yeah. That one's also crazy. Notably, it is shroud, not hexproof. So even you can't target your own stuff. So there might be some tribes that don't want that because you do want to be able to target your cats, for example. But that can also be like, uh, I mean, that's also a pretty expensive card, probably for good reason, because no one can touch any of your elves or anything like that. And that can really seal the deal when it comes to creating an 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 exorable board state that your opponents just cannot remove. Yeah. Patriarch's Bidding is a card that has also kind of really needed to reprint along the lines of Steely Resolve, and, and it just got one in Modern Horizons 2. Um, each player chooses a creature type, and that player returns all creature cards of that type from their graveyard to the battlefield. Um, kind of like the Harsh Mercy I mentioned earlier, it does let people kind of play around with that. You're going to bring back all of your chosen tribe, so basically your entire graveyard. Someone else, if they aren't playing tribal, can still pick the most useful thing, but the amount of advantage you're going to get is almost always going to be quite a bit more than what everyone else will get who isn't playing a tribal deck. 
It's a really solid card and desperately needed a reprint for a long time and luckily just got one. Yeah, that, that card was like pushing $40 for a long time. Well, <laughs> now it's two. It's like a $2 <laughs> right. card. You can go to <laughs> right. cardkingdom.com slash EDHREC and get Patriarch's bidding <laughs> for $2. Uh, like the numbers definitely got hamstrung for a long time. Like it's currently showing up in less than 8,000 decks. It is better than cards in over 8,000 decks. Like this is just a very, very powerful card. So if you've been looking for one, now is a perfect time to get some. If you could see my face when you talk about the reanimation effect for tribal decks, Dana, this makes me very happy. I quite like the Patriarch's bidding, but I'm also just kind of a fan of like even just the smaller scale recursion stuff. Like honestly, raise the Draugr and return from extinction, which are just little spells that get back two creatures that share a type from your graveyard to your hand just for two mana to get those two cards back. I feel like that's also kind of nice. It's small ball in terms of value compared to something like the Patriarch's bidding, but I feel like it can make a pretty big impact when it's just like... It's two mana to draw two cards that you know are very good in your deck because they are the creatures that you need. And I feel like even those can actually sand off a lot of those edges and, and tune up your deck a, a little bit nicely. I feel like that just is some nice small value that actually pulls a lot of weight. Well, I mean, Regrowth is played in dang near every green deck, almost 28,000 <laughs> decks. And this is just a double Regrowth in a tribal deck. Uh, I think that's a totally fine rate if you're getting some very, very powerful cards back out of the graveyard. Yeah. Oh, and what do you guys think of the tribal birthing pod Pyre of Heroes from Kaldheim? That's the two mana artifact. You pay two, tap it, and sacrifice a creature, and then you birthing pod that creature, but it has to share the same creature type. I feel like I, I've been using this one in that Wilhelm Zombies deck, and I've been really impressed because it feels like that is a deck that has a good number of creatures at different mana costs that also have a good number of different toolbox effects. I don't feel like this is a, a card that like an elf deck or a goblin deck necessarily needs for for example, because those can be so low to the ground. But I have been kind of impressed with this in the right type of deck. But Matt, would this be something you're interested in? Or is this maybe a little too niche? Like, what do you think of Tribal Birthing Pod? I think this is very, very narrow. I think Zombies is probably one of the few tribes can probably take advantage of this because there are zombies up and down the curve. Um, mm. Not every tribe is able to do that. Elves kind of top out at one, two. I mean, four, maybe, um, whereas dragons has the exact opposite problem where they start off at six. Um, so it just it really depends on the tribe. I, I think most tribes out there aren't able to do it. Maybe elementals could do it. But I, I also don't think that birthing pot is necessarily great in as many decks as people try to force it in. So Pyre of Heroes, I'm a little skeptical about. But if you have the right deck, the right tribe for it, I think it's just fine. That's fair. That's very, very fair. All right, let's move away from our miscellaneous category and now round it out with a quick thing about lands because there are some important lands for tribal decks too. So Dana, for example, in your Sphinx tribal deck that you've got, are there any specific lands that come to mind that you might use to pump up the deck even from right there within your mana base? Um, the main one that jumps out at me is Cavern of Souls. Um, which is a card that I think if it was a $5 card, people would probably put it in every deck just to name their commander's creature type. It's that useful um, just to make your commander uncounterable. In mm. a tribal deck, being able to make whatever of the particular tribe that all of your creatures are uncounterable is really, really good too. And in my Sphinx deck where every one of those Sphinxes costs nine mana, I definitely don't want to eat counter spells if I can avoid it. So a Cavern of Souls is a really useful card to have in that deck in particular. I mean, I think probably one of the most useful lands in general that also just happens to be, you know, a tribal synergy type of card, Path of Ancestry. It's just a tapped yeah. command tower uh, that has upside. If, you, if you're casting 
a spell that shares a, t a creature type with your commander, you get to scry one. Otherwise, it's just a tapped command tower, which is one of the most powerful lands in the entire format. Um, <laughs> playing an extra copy in your three color decks, playing in your four color decks, like that's just great. Like people are already playing those tri lands that come into play tapped as is. Uh, people are already playing triomes. This is just a, a very very good card that I think a lot of players. I mean, it is seeing getting you know played in almost seventy thousand decks. But I also think that that probably should be way more, considering it's only in 10% of all decks, period. That is a really, really good one. There's also um, Unclaimed Territory as well, which comes in untapped. Normally just taps for a colorless, but it can tap to add one mana of any color for a specific creature spell of a certain type. That one shows them like 31,000 decks. You definitely have to be really dedicated to a creature type to make sure that this taps for whatever colors you need, because it's not going to be good for your other like regular instants and sorceries. But that is also a pretty impressive little uncommon there to help you color fix, especially if you've got a whole bunch of different colors going on. That can be also a, a pretty nice thing these lands let you choose creature types there's some secret bonus stuff going on there that is pretty nifty we have you have two other ones that kind of jump out at me um for tribal lands mutavault um and faithless faithless excuse me faceless haven um <laughs> two lands that you can activate and make them become creatures that have all creature types um, oh. So, like, you know, in my Sphinx deck, it probably doesn't do me much good to turn Mutavault into a 2-2, given there's just not that much synergy between Sphinxes. Um, Dragons, maybe it isn't that useful either. But, in, like, in a Ravo deck or something where a lot of the deck is built around buffing up cats in particular, having a land there that is probably going to survive a board wipe and having a commander that can use an eminence ability from the command zone onto that land that you've turned into a cat is very, very useful. So I think those are two that in a specific deck really can shine um, as well. Yeah, I, I absolutely love Mutavault in decks that just have a lot of Anthem types of effects. Um, mm -hmm. I played it in my Merfolk tribal deck because there's a bunch of Lords in there. I have one Ooh. in my Kyler deck because I can just animate it and it instantly becomes like a 13-13 because Kyler is <laughs> perpetually enormous. Um, but yeah, if you have any sort of like a Lord heavy type of tribe, Goblins is another very, very good one, especially in one and two colors. Um, Mutavault, you, you can almost always find space in your mana base for. Oh, now careful there, Matt. You said perpetually. That's got rules baggage for <laughs> arena stuff. Very true. Now, so. Oh, and, and, okay, fine. Um, almost always ever <laughs> moving forward, never don't. That I that would be a very interesting mechanic. I would love to see never what that don't. mechanic does on a map. Never. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like awesome. never more, only different. Uh, only different, exactly. So, and, and those are actually lands that have all creature types. So, I, I feel like also we should briefly address. You know, changelings are also really good tribal support for, especially the creature types that don't have a whole lot of things out there. Like Realmwalker is a really really good changeling that can be a bear if you need it to be, or it can. Be, I was about to say elf, but elf is a very popular creature type. I'm sure that Realm Walker is using, <laughs> showing up in elf decks too. But like, if you don't have a whole lot of dwarves or a whole lot of bears or something like that, changelings can also really save your bacon by fleshing out the density of creatures that you've got in your deck for sure. So also watch out for those. Um, just because, you know, it's generally useful, but there's so many out there that we probably can't address too many changelings. Instead, let's turn to the final thing here. And this, I think, is the most interesting part of tribal decks is the... Um, the non-tribal cards that show up in tribal decks, like, there are a lot of creature decks out there that play creatures that don't fit 
the creature type that you're building around the deck, but those creatures are still just like so dang good that you want to play them anyway. The uh, lead-in for me here is that I mentioned the Species Specialist that I'm playing in my Will Health deck. Species Specialist is not a zombie, but it draws me cards when my zombies die. And that effect is so dang good in that deck that even though it's not a zombie, it still warrants a spot in that deck. So what do you guys think are other examples of non-tribal creatures or non-tribal cards that still show up in tribal decks? Because that type of support is also fascinating. Well, I kind of hinted towards this effect of smaller creatures that kind of act as mana reduction for your bigger creatures. Dragon Speaker Shaman doing that for dragons or, or Starnheim Aspirant for doing it for angels. Something Ooh. that comes down early that's just able to make those six and seven mana creatures a little bit easier to cast later on in the game. Those are so valuable. Um, sometimes you don't have green, so you can't do a bunch of mana ramp. So you have to rely on other effects like these. Um, these are just fine cards to be playing. Like we talk about the medallion cycle every now and then as something that's going to reduce the cost on your colored spells. Well, this is doing the same for your creature spells. I don't like these aesthetically speaking. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't like to have creatures um, in the tribal deck that aren't of the tribe. So they they bother me. Um Okay. <laughs> it, for that reason, um, power-wise and utility-wise, they're very, very good in, in the appropriate deck for sure. So I, I just don't like having anything that isn't of the appropriate creature type in a tribe deck. But that's me and not at all a reason to judge a card. Dana's over here like, well, if I'm playing a bear tribal deck, I won't play a Sakura tribe builder ever because it's I'm not a bear, even though it's still just absolutely. an efficient ramp spell. All right. Well, OK, so I, I totally get that. But Dana, even then, there are some like really good effects out there. Like I, I just mentioned bear tribal. My younger brother has an Ayula Queen among bears deck and an elf that he uses in the deck is Beast Whisperer because he plays so many two mana bears that Beast Whisperer draws him a card whenever he casts one of those creature spells. And that's really good draw for that deck. Deck. And that that deck probably kind of needs it because it's playing a bunch of two mana tutus, which need a bit more oomph, a bit more way to carry the game through. And a draw effect like the Beast Whisperer is going to do a whole bunch of work there. Plus, flavor flavor wise, he's whispering to the beasts. Bears are <laughs> beasts; they're tutus. Um, so his name gets the exemption. Well, we've talked about Innistrad tribe stuff too, particularly vampires and zombies and, and werewolves, but there's a lot of angels and a lot of humans on Innistrad, and they tend to have kind of weird interactions as well. Um, angels of Angel of Glory's Rise, for example, interacts with humans in a way that you usually don't see cross-tribe interaction. Um, the yeah. last two Sigardas do as well. So, like, there's some weird stuff there where you tend to see um, the last couple of Sigardas atop a human tribal deck in a way that is kind of unusual for an angel. So, I mean, there are plenty of logical reasons for you to mix these things up for sure. Or I think of uh, Merkfiend Liege and Seedborn Muse, which untap all of your creatures every turn. Those are powerhouses in a Kumena deck, which is a Merfolk tribal deck, but it's got activated abilities that let you tap your Merfolk for really cool effects. So being able to untap them every single turn is really valuable for that deck. And Seedborn Muse and Merkfiend Liege are not merfolk, but they're really, really good for the way that that tribal deck is working. So that's another example of like, like Dana, I know that aesthetically it's probably like, eh, for you, but that is really powerful for that deck. You got it. Absolutely. For sure. Although I guess the argument could be made, Seedborn Muse is pretty good in literally every deck that can run. Okay. But okay. yes, you're, you're right. Yeah, I, I suppose that's fair. But still, it's also just like, that's cool synergy. And I would not mind throwing a non-Merfolk into that deck to get those extra juicy pieces of value. Fair enough. 
So I have one that, again, it's not technically a tribal card, but I don't know if I've put it in any tribal decks that didn't benefit from it fairly effectively. Um, and that card is Heraldic Banner. Uh, that card just mm. continues to impress in, in so many different decks. Like, it's not just a mana rock, but it's also kind of an anthem because if you're playing a bunch of, you know, creature tokens, anything like that, chances are they're probably going to be playing same colors. So you can play in, you know, and play it for white if you're playing a human's deck or red if you're playing goblins. And it's just going to soup up everything. It's going to play into what you want to be doing anyways, which is establishing your board, getting some man on, on, you know, on the battlefield. And this is just such a good card. Like almost no matter what type of tribe you're playing, if you're playing dragons, just name red. Um, and chances are like, you're just, you're going to be safe. Like it's just such a great card that just, I don't think was meant for tribal decks, but it definitely is very, very powerful there. That's another great example. Yeah, these cards can be found everywhere. Some of these are so good. Like we mentioned at the top of the show that we will use them even in our non-tribal decks. We'll use some of these tribal payoff cards because we made a bunch of tokens or something like that. And that's another great example. These are really, really fascinating support pieces. Listeners, we would love to hear from you about your favorite tribal support pieces and some of the non-tribal cards that make it into your tribal decks and why that might be. Guys, this was a fascinating, fascinating show. So thank you so much uh, for joining me with it. I think we'll probably call of this one to a close and i just hope that everyone has a great spooky time for the holidays matt i hope that you uh get to once again shiver with antissa patient patient there it is there it is there it is <laughs> there it is all right where can folks find us if they want to get in touch with us so you can find me on the twitters at mathemus55 that's m-a-t-h-i-m-u-s-5-5 and don't forget wednesday evenings we are streaming games twitch.tv slash edh retcast we have awesome guests on every single week it's always so dang fun so make sure you tune in because it's it truly is like one of the most fun things that i get to do with magic uh you can find me on the twitter birds at dana roach you can hear me on my other podcast cmdr central i am writing articles for edh rec and for commander's herald and you can find all three of us together at patreon.com slash edh Recast. and i'm joey schultz you can find me at joseph m schultz on twitter and you can find the cast at edh Recast on both facebook and twitter plus if you've got a question for us you can contact us at edh at gmail.com our thanks go out once again to the whole team at the command zone for handling the post-production work on the podcast and we want to thank our sponsors tcg player and cardkingdom.com plus you can visit altersleeves.com slash edh Recast for cool custom edh rec sleeves listeners we'll be back at you next week with more data and insights but until then remember edh wreck your deck before you wreck your deck <laughs>